and welcome to another episode of Potter Mania, where we dive into the wizarding world, discussing everything Harry Potter related. My name is Yasmina, and I'm your host. And I'm Ashwarya, and I'm your other host. And today we have our very first guest on our podcast. So excited to welcome you to our discussion today, Teresa. How are you? Hello. Hi, I'm good. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, it's exciting. So looking forward to our discussion. And we're so happy to have you on. <laughs> So happy to have you on. Okay, so just to start off the episode, Teresa, to introduce you, I'm going to ask a couple of questions. So just to brief. All right. Um, to start off, because I know that you're also a huge Potterhead, what's your Hogwarts house? Uh, oh, it's, um, interesting story here. So um, I am <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I am a supporter of the... Um, like the hybrid houses so yep. I, at first I thought I was like a Gryffindor and a Hufflepuff so Gryffindor I took the quiz and mm-hmm. I ended up being sorted out in a Hufflepuff right I was like oh okay and then I took the uh Patronus quiz I'm like oh I'll still be a Gryffindor took the Patronus quiz um I'm a my Patronus is a badger so I think I'm a full-blown <laughs> Hufflepuff. So you're a badger and a Hufflepuff. Honestly, Teresa is such a Hufflepuff, you guys. Like, I can totally see that. Because I, so I knew Teresa since middle school. And then Yasmina, Teresa, and I all went to high school together. Mm-hmm. And Teresa's like, mm-hmm. honestly, the sweetest, nicest person ever. So she is definitely a Hufflepuff. I see that. I forgot my Patronus. Do you remember yours, Yasmina? Yeah, I do. It was a bat. And I was really salty about it. And yours, I think, was a bird. Because you're like, I'm scared of birds or something like that. That. Oh, okay. I'm such a dory, <laughs> so I can't remember it, but that makes sense. <laughs> but we Probably, both got birds. Yeah, it makes sense. Well, I don't remember it. I'm scared of birds. I hate birds. Anyway, um, <laughs> moving on. Um, what's your favorite book, Teresa, out of the series? And Fantastic Beasts is included, by the way. We don't just have to stick to the Harry Potter ones. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So, book. Uh, uh, I would say... Um, Hmm. It's a hard one. Uh, I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I would I know that um the funny thing, I think I don't ah gosh. I I like number I like the first one because it kind of brings yeah. you into the world. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like what really engaged me, I think was the fourth book. The Goblet of Fire. Yeah, the fourth book. Even mm-hmm. though the fourth movie I was uh not I was I was basically okay. I was not I was scared of the fourth movie. Yeah, oh, no, I agree. <laughs> it was it was like kind of like a thriller. Like for some reason, we went from like normal movies where there's just like a little bit of a scary concept to like a fully fledged thriller, death, graveyard. And then it was yeah. just so creepy to me. Yeah. Like the first time I watched it, I just had nightmares. <laughs> oh, exactly, really? exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, think, I think that was the first, that that movie had the first, oh, the book as well, had the first death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think right. Yeah, yeah. Harry's parents, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, That's true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, First time watching the fourth. Yeah, not not a. Scared, not a fan. (laughs) Really, it's so interesting. I I think it started off because do you know what? Now thinking back on it with the movies, the first two ones were they were really nice because the first one was an intro. The second one was kind of funny. The third one, Mm. it kind of started off like being a bit more eerie, and then the fourth one was obviously. Like mm. a little bit more scarier, so that totally makes sense. Um, yeah, did you have sorry? 
No, no. I, I was just going to say it was like a slippery slope, like starting the fourth one, everything just went downhill and it got a little bit more serious. Like I think even the rating was like PG maybe or something like PG 13 oh, really? or yeah, the rating I think increased mm-hmm. from the first two because the first two were more of like, you know, la 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 la, like unicorn yeah. and rainbow. I mean, it wasn't that happy, but it was like more warm and just like a normal story it was sad, yeah. of course, yeah. but then yeah. You get to the fourth one and it's like, whoa, like a death. And then, you know, the person we're scared of comes to life. And then it just, you know, gets scarier. I think think the third one was kind of an intro to that because the third one was so gray. Like, I just remember watching The Prisoner of Azkaban. I'm like, it's so gloomy. Like, everything's so gray. I know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of... I guess the third one was the transition kind of going, get ready. And get then, ready. Yeah. And the fourth one's like, boom. Yeah. <laughs> and did you, did you have a favorite movie, Teresa? Oh, yeah. Ah, yeah. Um, the third one. Oh, wow. Okay. The third one. <laughs> no, I actually, honestly, um, I don't know if I told you about this, Yasmin. I was telling Teresa about it. I have been rewatching the series, right? And I actually really like the third movie. It was yeah. like one of the movies I that I wouldn't watch as much. I kind of would just put it to the side, but recently I've been rewatching The Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah, the, with, it's with the thing with Prisoner of Azkaban, right? I found it as a com- like as a as a comfort zone, uh, like my comfort zone. So I would go, like I found that I would go if I want to watch a series over, uh, like one of the movies from the series over again. It would always be the third one. Would like the third one, Prisoner of Azkaban, would be my first choice. Mm, interesting. So, yeah, 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 and then one, and then two. Yeah. I mean, I'm the same. I think, like, I I see it as, like, a cinematic masterpiece. I think of all the movies, the filming in that specific movie was so well done. Um, And just the story was, like, a balance between, like, dark and, like, you know, light. Um, I kind of liked it, but I always, I do, I do find myself going back and watching that one a lot or Deathly Hallows Part 1. It's always between Mm -hmm. those two. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm. I agree. Deathly Hallows is a good one too because it's kind of like near the end and you yeah, don't really yeah. want to let them go. So it's like, okay, let me just watch it. Um, yeah. Also, so moving yeah. on, Teresa, how about like your favorite character from the wizarding world? Like I said, we don't have to just limit it to Harry Potter. We can also talk about the Fantastic Beast guys or like a character you relate to. One or the other. Do you have one? Oh, okay. Um, hmm. I think if if we're taking it to Fantastic Beasts, I would go Newt's Commander all the way. <laughs> I see that. I totally see it. Also, I fellow, love it. fellow Hufflepuff, fellow Hufflepuff. Yeah. Um, yes. But um, I think in terms of the Harry Potter, like the within the series, I would yeah. I would go McGonagall. Oh, McGonagall. oh. yeah. Um, okay. At first, I kind of kind of wasn't thinking much about any of the professors, but then going back. The sass she has. The what? The, <laughs> the, the sass. sass the sass she has. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, especially the moment where she was, uh, she um, kind of, oh, in the fifth book, she was um, dissing Umbridge. Oh, yes. yes. When they, um, that was, that like, was yes. so powerful. I, I think, I mean, I think she's a great representation of like a powerful, independent, like strong-minded woman. So every time, like, she had a scene, and I think Maggie Smith did a really good job portraying her. Every time she had a scene, you just, like, had to actually focus because everything she said, her movement, everything was just so powerful that you're like, damn, I wish I could be like that. (laughs) 
But, yeah, I think Maggie, Maggie Smith was the perfect fit um, for the yeah. in terms of um, the movie. But yeah, I, McGonagall all the way. Awesome. <laughs> um, awesome. So that's all of the questions that I have for you, <laughs> to be honest. Like I, said, I mean, we've already discussed this, like just me responding to Teresa's like answers. Newt, I love Newt. So I can totally see Teresa as a Newt, to be honest. And... <laughs> McGonagall's a badass, so nothing yeah. said, nothing yeah. more needed to be said. Yeah. Um, so I I guess now I'm gonna move us into today's discussion. And basically the way that um we structured it, I don't know if that's gonna work amazingly, but that's like our okay. first chapter by chapter episode. Yes. But basically I will summarize a chapter and while I summarize it, every time I say like if there if you guys have commentary or you mm-hmm. wanna add something, just like you know, just say it. Chime Don't in. wait okay. for me. So okay. I'm just going to summarize and you guys just like add your input as we go. Awesome. Mm-hmm. All righty. I took a lot of notes on chapter one, so I'm going to run out of air. <laughs> um, it was a good chapter. It was a really good chapter. And it's honestly so emotional, especially like reading it now. Like when you're little, you read and you don't really read between the lines. You don't really notice a lot of things yeah and then Mm. as soon as like you read it now with a different perspective and like your um accumulated experience you're just like oh my goodness this is bad (laughs) all righty so chapter one the boy who lived so the chapter starts off with my favorite sentence which is mr mrs dursley of number four privet drive we're proud to say that they were perfectly normal thank you very much that just like (laughs) an immediate foreshadowing we just know like the next paragraph normal okay (laughs) like things are not gonna be perfect at all it's gonna yeah it's gonna be bad exactly the irony exactly (laughs) um we then get a description of mr and mrs dursley so we're told that mr dursley has no neck mrs dursley has twice the amount of usual like a usual amount of neck love that description (laughs) lovely description um i noticed by the way the descriptions of characters in these chapters were so like (laughs) not the greatest like all we're told is just like small snippets and then you have to put it all together um um we're then like it, they briefly describe the relationship between the Dursleys and the Potters. And we can tell from the beginning that the Dursleys and the Potters had no relationship. Um, it was uh, like Miss Petunia does not really have much of a relationship with her sister, but we don't know why yet. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It's just like we, a lead in kind of. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like a lead in that they don't really have a great of a relationship. And I guess like it's just kind of hinting that there will be probably more um, information on why. Yeah. In a um, way, I think. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, no, go in ahead. a way, uh, in a way, I think um, it kind of, even though it's small snippet, it kind of builds the picture where J.K. Rowling wants to take us, which is that these are very uptight people who don't like anything outside of normal. Yes. Yes. And I mean, the first sentence already tells you that they just want to be normal. Anything that's like <laughs> outside of that realm, they don't want to be associated with it. Um, mm-hmm. So then we move forward and we kind of get an idea of like Mr. Dursley getting ready for work, leaving the house. And then the first hint of something that's not normal is that he notices a cat reading a map. And I'm just wondering, like, what would you guys' reaction be if you're just like walking around and you just see like a cat standing watching a street sign? Like, 
I don't I, I think it's like a, like a muggle <laughs> I would just be like what the hell is going on like I don't I, I completely yeah, yeah. understand Mr. Dursley's reaction he's just like what <laughs> that'd be yeah, so I think, weird yeah I think sorry I would take it no no, no. Uh, you go no, no 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 go for it sorry <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no I think um I think I would I would definitely do a double take at first I'll be like oh a cat and I'm like wait what's it doing <laughs> yeah no, pretty much the same. I probably would just be so confused if there was just a cat reading a map. Like, what's going on? What no. day of the week is it? Like, why? Literally, <laughs> literally. So then he's heading to work and he just sees like a bunch of people strangely dressed up. And I guess at the time that the book was written, um, I don't know, his reaction to people being dressed differently is odd to me because I feel like now, nowadays, when you're walking outside in the street, you see people in different outfits, different styles. Mm -hmm. Nothing is mm -hmm. that odd anymore. So I feel like if the book was written nowadays, the reaction of Mr. Dursley would be different. But he just sees a bunch of people in like cloaks, um, which gets him thinking that there must be something going on. Um, and then we see that in lunchtime, he goes down to get a bun and he continues seeing cloaked people and then he kind of eavesdrops and he gets a glimpse of someone mentioning the name um harry and the potters and then he just he's just like oh my god like what's going on are those the people that are related to petunia um so then he goes back to work but then he chooses not to call petunia and then we get another glimpse at petunia and uh lily's relationship he mentions that petunia does not like the mentioning of her sister and she prefers that um she pretends that they don't really that she doesn't really have a sister. Um, and then afterwards, Vernon leaves work and then he bumps into a wizard. Um, and that's the first time we come across the word muggle. Um, yes. And we're not really like mm. explained what a muggle is, but just by relying on contextual clues, we kind of get an idea that it means someone who's normal and not necessarily like a wizard. Um, mm. My commentary here, like I just find it so funny that like, I don't understand that the first war not impact the muggles, because I feel like if I was a muggle and I noticed like one day I woke up and there were like no longer Dementors, no longer mysterious death, I would notice and be like, OK, what's going on? But it just seems like based on what I'm reading is that the muggles, were they not impacted by the first war? Because they don't seem to understand, like they don't seem to be like the Dursleys don't seem to be shocked that all of a sudden things are back to normal. Do you guys get what I'm trying to say? Because when we yeah. see the second war, mm -hmm. we see how the muggles are impacted by it. And Hagrid also mentions that the first time it was horrible. A lot of bad things were happening. But then now we see like wizards celebrating and we don't see from the muggle perspective as if anything changed. Yeah, that, I, I do see that because there's no mm -hmm. um, there's not much context uh, in terms of oh, there was things bad happening before. We just see that there's a celebration on this day. Um, yeah. Yeah, and we don't, we don't see the muggles acting like... We don't see from the Dursley's perspective thinking, oh, you know what, like, things were bad a few months ago, but now they're calm, and then they see these wizards celebrating, and then they put two and two together. No, we just see it as them going on about their day, and, like, I'm just wondering if they were even impacted in the first war or not, but that's just something that I thought about while reading because I already knew like mm. what was going to happen in the rest of the books. So while I was reading that, I was like, what? <laughs> um, yeah. But anyways, I mean, Vernon then just heads home and he's like watching the news and like there's just a report about how there's like an increase 
of um, owls and call me dumb. But the first time I read this, I didn't realize that like the increase of owls was probably a result of like wizards sending letters back and forth to celebrate. Like I was so confused. I was like, why, why are there a lot of owls? I never caught that. I don't know about you guys. Did you catch it while reading that? Like the increase in owls is because like wizards were sending letters back and forth and you know, they were celebrating or the Ministry of Magic was sending Daily Mail. And it wasn't just like a random fact. Do you know what? Initially, like when I first read the book, we were very young. I didn't pay attention to that. But now that like I'm kind of rereading it again, I kind of see like all of these context contextual clues. And it like makes sense to me because I remember at the time when I was first reading it and it was like all these owls just like piled by. I was like scared. Yeah, but now it's now yeah. it's like you know because we've like read the um books like we've analyzed them we've also like watched the movies religiously we kind of see all of these contextual clues when we're reading back the chapters which is so cool to me so yeah, yeah initially no. i didn't like it didn't cross my mind but now like yeah sorry you had agreed to um Teresa. No, yeah, agreed. Uh, first time I read it, I didn't even think about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, didn't even con- correlate the the owls to uh, to the sending messages until later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, I think in I'm I'm wondering whether the first war was more hidden from the Muggle war than the uh, than from the Muggle war than the second one. That's uh, so that could explain maybe why. The muggles weren't as impacted, but I don't think so because if Hagrid said it was really bad, it must have somehow. So yeah, it's an interesting yeah yeah point. Hmm. They always hinted at the first war being like they had more um more like uh what's the word like more deaths and the Muggle world was impacted and the Wizarding world was impacted, but at the same time hmm. I'm thinking maybe because the initial war Dumbledore was there, so maybe he played a role, whereas you know, the second war, Dumbledore was already dead. Mm-hmm. Maybe something, mm-hmm. something like that. I don't, I don't really know, but um, yeah. So then the Dursleys go to bed and we kind of shift the perspective from the Dursleys to the tabby cat outside. Uh, so everything moving forward is kind of like from her perspective or like a third person perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so then a man appears as though he popped out of the ground. And this man is drum roll dun, 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 dun. it's Dumbledore <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> and then he you know <laughs> you know he pulls out the legendary put outer which I always find really funny that, that it's called that yeah um, <laughs> I, on, I made a note of that honestly because I was trying to figure out you know they kind of like segued it into I think it was the Deathly Hallows when yeah. he was giving all of the kids like their respective I don't even know but oh, wrong yeah. the put outer and I kept forgetting the name of this because I'm obsessed with all of these like trinkets that they talk about <laughs> within the series. So I remember Ron with his put outer, but I just couldn't recall the name of it. It's a deluminator. It's like a in delumin- death. Yeah. In yeah. the Deathly Hallows, they change up the name and there's like a long debate of people that are like, why did it change the name? Okay, Some that people- makes sense to me now because I remember deluminator and 
I guess they called it a put outer in the song. I guess she didn't really have like a name ready for it. I mean, this was her first book. She probably true, didn't even true. think that it's going to like take off. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so by the mm-hmm. end, she thought of a better name. Some people say like the put outer is just the general name for it. Mm-hmm. And then Dumbledore specific one, like the prototype he has is called the Deluminator. There's like a debate everywhere, but oh. just the name put outer mm-hmm. is so funny. Like, it is. you know, <laughs> it's so it's so funny um so then you know he turns off the lights on the street and then the cat turns into professor mcgonagall and i remember seeing that in the movies the first time and just thinking i was so impressed by the way they pulled it off like how her shadow transforms from a cat to a human um and you know obviously Mm -hmm. the cgi in the first movie was pretty bad Mm -hmm. but that specific scene of like her transformation was really really good and as soon as she appears you just know that McGonagall is going to be a boss like she's a very strong independent woman um Mm -hmm. so then McGonagall and Dumbledore just have like a whole argument about calling Voldemort by his name and then you know McGonagall mentions Voldemort fears him so we already know that Dumbledore this guy is a very powerful wizard if the bad guy is scared of him um and then McGonagall goes ahead and asks Dumbledore if the rumors are true about James and Lily and if they're dead and that Harry was supposed to die as well and Dumbledore confirms the rumors while I was reading this, honestly, I kind of found it really funny. I mean, it's not that funny, but it's kind of funny how Dumbledore is mentioning this and like McGonagall is crying and she's being yeah. rattled by the whole situation. And Dumbledore is just mm. sitting there eating sherbet lemon. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> He's just like, yeah, yeah, they're dead. Let me just take another candy. And then she's just like crying like Dumbledore. Is this real? And honestly, that kind of like gives you a glimpse of the type of guy he is. Like, Yeah, I was going to say it's <laughs> basically like segues into his personality as well also guys just to let you know because i listened to the audiobooks while reading um harry potter and the sorcerer's stone online and i noticed that i think it was in the sorcerer's stone they called it a lemon drop and then yeah lemon so i was like what the heck is going on because the lemon drops like <laughs> that like, sounds off. Have like a drink, like when he's outside, like a Dursley's house. I was like, okay, never mind. It's a Sherwood lemon. Oh my but, goodness. Yeah, because <clears throat> yeah, I, I, my copy of um, Harry Potter's Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, so the American one. So when I was like, oh, lemon drop, and then I was, and then I also like, sure, I decided to listen to the audio. And yeah. it says lemon sherbet or sherbet. And I was like, ah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's a difference in the language there. Yeah, exactly. But it's okay. like into his personality, honestly. Honestly, it does. It does. It really yeah, shows. In a way, I think his calm demeanor is just a way to kind of make sure he thinks clearly. Maybe a coping mechanism. Maybe. Or Maybe. I, feel like, I think Dumbledore also, if you think about it, McGonagall, I mean, throughout the series as well. I mean, I'm rereading it now, but I remember throughout the series and even in the movies, she always seemed to be a lot more like protective in a way. But I think Dumbledore mm. kind of could foresee what was happening. So he kind of had to like maintain a certain sense of composure. I don't know. And it's mm. probably like his personality type too, like Teresa. I don't know, maybe he couldn't really, like, show out his protective side as much as McGonagall because of his, like, like power the way he was, I think. Mm. But, yeah, it kind of segues into who he is. Um, 
but you guys were yeah. talking about like Dumbledore's demeanor and I wanted yeah. to add I wanted to say that like I think from his experience in life all the trauma that he went through the way he mm -hmm. copes with certain situations is different than a normal person um yeah. because and then like you said yeah. Teresa yeah. like it's kind of a coping mechanism so he can see things like clearly rather than his emotions impacting his pers uh, perspective yeah. mm -hmm. um so yeah. I think that's the thing with Dumbledore. Um, I, yeah, yeah, I guess ahead. you can. Yeah, I, I, I guess you can kind of make sense of uh, make sense of it off like once you find out about him in Grindelwald. Yeah, I was gonna say they're yes. probably gonna mention more about his past and, I mean, his personality mm -hmm. spectrum since he's a lot younger in Fantastic Beasts, um, and mm. so we'll probably get to see a bit more into that. I think um, very soon. So. Yeah, exactly. So um, then McGonagall proceeds to ask Dumbledore why he chose to come to this neighborhood this evening. And he explains to her that he selected this place to bring Harry to his family. And then McGonagall kind of gets mad and she explains like how bad these muggles are. Um, and when we're reading this book, obviously, we don't we don't have an idea of, you know, McGonagall's past, but knowing like with all the information available on Wizarding World and what used to be Pottermore, is that McGonagall had experience with muggles and that's why she knows that this type is bad. Mm -hmm. um, and then Dumbledore argues and says that Harry's better off living in this world away from fame. Um, and then Hagrid shows mm. up with baby Harry um, mm. and they all put baby Harry on the Dursley's Door on a motorbike. <laughs> oh yeah, he comes to him with a motorbike. <laughs> as if, like as if the kid wasn't just pulled out of like a rumbles of this house. He yeah. brings him in like freaking a, a flying motorbike. <laughs> right? <laughs> and then and then they just drop him off in front of a house and they leave. Like can we talk about security? Like I understand that they're wizards like I, they're wizards like i know that they couldn't they had to bring him here because of lily's love as a protection but like couldn't they just keep him overnight with one of them and then bring him in the morning and like actually talk to petunia in person like it doesn't make yeah. sense to me that they would leave him True. on the street mm -hmm. that would be more easy that sounds more reasonable i would agree <laughs> I don't know what they were thinking but it's also such a Hagrid like entry as well like because you kind of it kind of um introduces his character and it's like Hagrid flying in on a motorbike but it, they should have just brought him in the morning I don't know what they were thinking I know mm -hmm. so I dramatic. mean I know for like more dramatic effect but this wraps up the first chapter and I wanted to ask you guys like what do you think the theme of this chapter is I want to kind of know <laughs> <laughs> You guys are like, oh, shit, we didn't prepare for that. <laughs> I have my answer. I can give my answer and you guys can build off um, of that. Yeah, why no, don't you give your answer? Because I'm like, you need to think about this. Yeah. No, I, was waiting. I was waiting for a short. Yeah. Oh, God. You guys don't just like bang on me. I'm not an AP Lang anymore, guys. I can't think of like thematic. I mean, there's no answer that's wrong. But like personally, I think the theme was family. And I'd say it's not necessarily like a good representation of family, but it does look at like the Dursleys, like we follow them throughout their day. And then it briefly touches on the Dursleys and Potter's relationship. Um, and then we're also introduced to the three people that become kind of like family figures in Harry's life. So we're introduced yeah. to Dumbledore, who we know is like kind of like a father figure, as well as Hagrid and McGonagall, of course. So I think like kind of the general theme would be family in mm -hmm. my opinion. No answer is wrong, though. 
like to be honest no I agree with you that it is family the one thing that I was gonna say is it's kind of nice how in this first chapter because if you think about it like when you watch the movies as well like the first chapter was so condensed in the movies which makes sense because you obviously can't make a movie that long and in the movies they kind of just showed him at the doorstep McGonagall being worried and then it kind of jumped to when he was older and then the whole chapter with the vanishing glass which we'll talk about soon um but I thought it was really nice because it kind of gave a brief to um the Dudley I mean the Dudley the Dursleys (laughs) um and their character background as well which is interesting and it weighed into Dumbledore and McGonagall as well so I agree with you I guess we can classify it as like family as a thematic Mm -hmm. element yeah yeah, I definitely see uh, family as a theme there, but I, in a way, I think it's um, it's it's basically uh, I other than family, I think it's just setting setting the scene. Like mm-hmm. it, you already without even mentioning what was what actually was going on, there was already like a buzz around the fact. So you already know that there's something. There was some major event. There was um, based on what the these cloaked people were, uh, I guess, uh, the way the cloaked people were acting. It was a celebration mm-hmm. instead mm-hmm. of something, you know, some uh, ominous thing. And you get an introduction to, I guess, yeah, in a way, the family that the protagonist will be put into first. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do see the, uh, yeah, I definitely do see the family. But in a way, it's just. To me, it's scene setting more, yeah. most like. And right. You get a I was going to say snippet. that, to be honest, because I mean, I didn't know how exactly to classify it, but the thing I liked about this chapter was that they didn't immediately introduce him. They kind of gave like a little bit of background about yeah. like, the setting and then how, like, like, I mean, they gave you like a brief intro about like who he is, the boy who lived or whatnot. But the next chapter is when they actually introduce him, right? So I mm-hmm. really liked that. And I, I didn't know how to classify it as a theme, but I guess setting makes sense as well. Family and setting. Um, mm. Yeah, that's what I thought. It was it was really nice, though, because in most books, if you think about it, they immediately, like, introduce the main character. And this one was kind of like, okay, a buildup of yeah. you know, his setting, you... people who kind of play yeah. a part. Yeah, sorry, you were saying, Jason. Yeah. No, 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 agreed, agreed. And I think also you see, you can see the dichotomy between the wizard and the muggle world. Yes, mm-hmm. in a way, which is super cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it makes sense. I mean, it is the first chapter, so it does make sense for them to kind of like set the tone, kind of like show you, okay, this is like, yeah, like you said, the dichotomy between the muggle world and the wizarding world. Um, so yeah, I guess it's like a mix of a few things, um, including family and also just like setting the stage for like what is going to happen so that once we get like we get to chapter two and see Harry, we kind of like everything that happens, we kind of it, we're not shocked by it because we already had like this perspective of the Dursleys. And so we're like, OK, makes sense that they would do this. Mm-hmm. But okay. no, I yeah, no, no, go ahead. <laughs> no, 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 I just, I just wanted to, yeah, I do agree with the family thing, though, because it does center around family, Dursley family, Potter family, wizard family, that yeah. kind of, yeah. 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 Okay, so we'll move into chapter two. And then whenever you guys want a break, like, just say, hey, should we take a quick break? Um, and we can take one and then 
like continue just so that um, if you guys need a break. Um, so yeah, so chapter two. <laughs> okay. Um, chapter two, Vanishing Glass. So this is this this is the chapter that kind of gives us a glimpse of Harry's life at the Dursleys. So we're kind of introduced to his living situation. He's living in a cupboard under the stairs. So we already know that the living yeah. condition is not great. Um, we're then told that it's Dudley's birthday and we see how Harry's treated. He's forced to wake up, forced to prepare the bacon. Um, and then Dudley comes downstairs, counts his gifts, find he's missing a few, throws a tantrum. So we also get a perspective on Dudley and the kind of person he is. Yes. Um, one thing I do want to point out, though, is the overuse of the word fat to describe Dudley. I don't like how do you guys feel about this? Because I don't feel I feel uneasy about it. I feel like there could have been other descriptors used to describe Dudley. But I feel like throughout the chapter, the amount of times that J.K. Rowling uses the word fat kind of made me uncomfortable because I feel like describing a person just using that word is not enough. Like you can describe him as spoiled. You can describe him as a brat. You can describe him as, you know, a little you know overweight but just constantly saying fat as the only like personality trait kind of triggered me I don't know about you guys no I agree I was actually just gonna like cut it and, and like mention that as well because when I was reading this theory I mean when I was reading this chapter the two things I noticed was first they mentioned that Dudley had blonde hair and I don't think that was also like portrayed correctly in the movies and the second thing I also noticed was the overuse of the word fat and I was I was very uncomfortable by that to be honest because there are better ways to describe that like you said um so yeah yeah 100 100 agreed especially nowadays with the you know with the way we have to you know the the way body positivity is being um promoted and you know you just have to be a bit more careful but I guess at that time it wasn't there yet yeah I was gonna say I wonder if at that time like when um this book was released if people mentioned that because I mean I'm now just rereading it after ages and I don't really know if they're gonna be mentioning terms similar to this and like the rest of the chapters but I wonder if people talked about it I don't think at the I time it was as so. forward mm -hmm. as it is mm -hmm. now with like body positivity and like gender inclusive 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 inclusivity inclusivity i mean yeah. this book this book was written in 1997 and I, I just remember like growing up the word fat and a few other words that are now Regretting. kind of considered as slurs were completely normal to use back then so calling mm. someone that mm. was like not something that I mean, obviously it, it was horrible to do, but it was so common. Like I, I remember like when I was in grade six, like people would say that and be like, yeah, you have like really chubby thighs and like, oh my, like they would leave that commentary. And back then it was okay. But mm -hmm. I think seeing it from the 2021 um, perspective and how like we're all, we all stray away from like body shaming everyone is trying to be you know mm, positive mm. and trying to be like not make fun of someone's appearance or something that they can't control um yeah. but back then I guess it was like a normal thing and in a way I feel like we're probably going to see this more often but I think JK Rowling uses that a lot especially when she's describing an antagonist like yeah. someone we don't want to like she describes them as you know being fat um which 
in a way it's, yeah. it's very wrong using the word fat as like a antagonist trait <laughs> like it, it's it's so wrong but i guess at the time this was written it was a little bit more acceptable yeah i agree i mean we'll see mm. in future chapters how she describes some of the antagonists but there are like some words that are super triggering and that shouldn't be used and maybe like i mean obviously they're not going to rewrite these books but if it was written in today's time maybe she would be more considerate of that because at mm -hmm. the time like you mentioned mm. i don't think people were really focusing on this and it was maybe possibly considered acceptable sadly <laughs> i don't mm -hmm. know but yeah yeah um, and then mm -hmm. we kind of got a uh, kind of get like a dichotomy between the way Harry's treated versus Dudley. So we see that Harry is obviously emotionally and mentally abused. He's confined to a small space. Um, he's told not to ask any questions. Um, they talk about him as if he wasn't present. He's in worn out clothes, underfed. He's got like the whole mix of just like all this abuse. And then you see how Dudley is treated and kind of you get a vision of that like a be better illustration of the way they treat him versus Dudley mm -hmm. um and then we move forward and the family decides to go to the zoo for Dudley's birthday the plan was to leave Harry with Mrs. Fig but she hurt her leg and so given that they didn't want to leave him home alone because they don't want him to destroy things and they didn't want him to stay in the car alone because they didn't want him to you know make a wreck so they obviously took him to the zoo um and before they kind of like hop in the car he gets threatened by dursley and he's told uh by vernon sorry and he's told like if he does anything he's gonna get in so much trouble um so then as they're driving harry kind of recounts all the strange strange things that happen around him so he mentions like how that one time Petunia cut his hair and they kept cutting his hair, but his hair would grow overnight um, and how Petunia would force him into a jumper and the jumper would just shrink and how once like he magically appeared on the school roof whilst running mm. away from Dudley and his friends. So we kind of get an idea of like, okay, Harry's not like everybody else. And mm -hmm. he as well is questioning like, oh, why do these things happen around me? And he mentions that it's out of his control and he doesn't do it on purpose. Um, so then on their way to the zoo, Harry mentions that he had a dream about a flying motorbike. And obviously he gets shouted at, which I find is a very odd reaction to a child recounting a dream. Like, I just feel like, honestly, the Dursleys are really, they just really hated this kid. They didn't even allow him to express anything because little kids always have really weird dreams. Like when I was 10, I would have really weird dreams. And sometimes like they're kind of creepy. And I would just mention them to my family. And they just okay. say, you know what, it's just a nightmare, you know, that's it. But for them, he's mm. just like mentioning a normal story. And they just like, go ballistic, which yeah. what the hell? <laughs> Honestly, it's mm, um, mm, mm. like, you know, reading this whole chapter, you could really see the treatment that they had towards him. And you could also in a way see how much Petunia like hated her sister because I'm sure that when she saw Harry she must have seen like Lily kind of present there like you know um with him and like you could kind of see through the treatment because first of all Harry's not their child but also it was super bizarre the dream part of it because you can tell like he's consistently saying these things are out of my control and she's just not believing him uh, yeah I don't know yeah, yeah, it's um, I mean, okay, there's more nuance to this, but I'm surprised that child services wasn't called, yeah, <laughs> right? <exactly. laughs> 
like, weeks. you know, where are they when you need them? Like, <laughs> did they not run like checks on this kid? Like clearly from his appearance, he looks like someone who is mistreated. Did no one think to mm -hmm. themselves like, hey, let me call Child Protective Services and check up on this kid? No, he just had mm, to exactly. withstand this. Like, it's insane to me. Also, I found it very interesting that Petunia was uh, and uh, Vernon were fixated on his hair, like yeah. the messiness of his hair. Right. Yeah, because like, Vernon kept saying, like, oh, cut your hair, cut your hair. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, they're fixated on that because it's like not like the, his hair was messy, but like, look at his outfit. Yeah. Like, he's wearing. Yeah. Look you at know, the way you're treating him, honestly. Right? Because it's like mm. the, you're the way that you're kind of like your treatment is kind of like shown. I mean, how you are and like how you dress in a way as well. So the fact that he must have been looking really shabby kind of shows how they were like involved in his upbringing, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, and the hair wasn't the only problem. Exactly. Like they were so, like you said, Teresa fixated on the hair, but then his clothes were like dirty and like, uh, you know, worn out clothes and they were so baggy. Like if there's anything that's going to draw attention, it's the clothes, not necessarily the hair. Exactly. Mm. Mm. So, yeah. So then they get to the zoo and they buy Dudley and Piers, his friend, ice cream, and then they buy Harry a cheap ice lolly. Um, also, Harry gets to have Dudley's Knickerbocker glory, which I did not know what the hell that was. I had to Google it. Like, no offense to anybody who's British. Like, I love your language and culture. But, like, I did not know what Knickerbocker glory was. So I Googled it. And it's just like an ice cream sundae. <laughs> but it just has, like, it has, like, a bunch of, like, toppings on top and in between. It's like a layer. It's like a layer of ice cream and then toppings and then another layer. And... It's like served in a really long glass and you have to eat it with this distinctive long spoon. Um, so basically, like we kind of get an idea of how more of an idea of how Harry's treated. Not only everything that we've already read about is already traumatic, but on top of that, when they take him outside, they don't treat him well either. They get him a cheap lolly. They give him Dudley's first knickerbocker because it was too small for Dudley. Like, it's unbelievable to me because I feel like a lot of people that are part of, like, a lot of parents that, um, this is not a generalization, but, like, I listen to a lot of true crime and a lot of um, shows, and I hear, like, mm. uh, some kids are abused, but, like, no one can tell they are because on the outside they look, you know, they're put together, they eat well, they're fine. Whereas in this case, mm. it's, like, Harry's abused, but it's also so apparent by the way he's treated outside. Like, the, the Dursleys don't even try to hide it when they take him out, which is so wrong to me. Like... <laughs> I'm mm. it's I, it makes me so mad when I read the book now with mm, this you know adult perspective and read this and realize that like no one fended for him or no one stood up for him you know yeah like uh, I remember this particular point where um I think it was uh oh they, they were off they were um getting their first treat um and that was when Harry got his cheap ice lolly because the vendor was actually going to ask Harry, what would yes. you like? But then they stepped in before Harry could even answer and just went in and gave him some, you know, as what was described, cheap ice lollies. 
Like, it's just heartbreaking. It makes me so mad. Like when I'm reading this, these chapters, and I feel like I'm going to progressively get even more mad with the any chapters that have the Dursleys. Um, but yeah, that's mm. like s- something that they mention. Um, and then after lunch, they head to the reptile house to see all sorts of snakes and lizards. And Dudley goes to look at the largest snake there. But he gets quickly bored because it won't move. So then he leaves. And then Harry approaches a snake. And basically, Harry highlights the parallels between the snake's life and, and you know, his his own life. Mm-hmm. And how, you know, the snake is behind a glass and everyone is tapping on its window versus Harry stuck in a cupboard and withstanding Aunt Petunia's hammering on this door. Um, and then the snake winks at Harry, which, hint, hint, it's foreshadowing something. Relationship between mm-hmm. Harry and snakes. Yes. Um. And then mm-hmm, Harry mm-hmm. basically asks it where it's from. And the snake mentions Brazil, like points its tail. And then behind him, Piers sees a snake moving, the snake moving. And so him and Dudley come running and they push Harry aside. Like they just push him and he falls. And then everything just happens at once. Like the glass vanishes. The boys fall inside. The snake escapes. Uh, but my favorite part is when the snake comes out and it passes by Harry and it's yeah. like, Brazil, here I come. Thank you, Amigo. <laughs> Amazing. And it just like goes, like goes Thanks, off. Amigo. <laughs> it's so funny. And then it's like, you know, reading it for the first time, you're like, okay, I don't understand how Harry could have understood this. But knowing everything we know. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, that is why he had that connection with the snake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then everyone panics and the Dursleys leave the zoo. And then on their ride home, Piers, being the little shit he is, yeah. mentions that he saw Harry talking to the snake. And so Harry ends up grounded in the cupboard with no food, which is like, what the hell? That was our. Like, that was like my trigger point, to be honest, because I'm like, what the, hell? the whole mm-hmm. chapter was like a buildup of the consistent bullying and torture he was going through. And then when Piers outs him, they were like, oh no, go back to your cupboard. Unlivable, like the condition of it. And then no meals as well. Like somebody like freaking called Child Protective Services at this point. Like this is too much. (laughs) It's so bad. It's so bad to the point where like Harry sits with his thoughts and like he tries to remember the crash he was in and like he doesn't remember he only recalls green light and pain on his forehead yeah. but then he fantasizes about another extended family or a relation coming to take him away from the dursleys like that's mm. how bad he is how Talk bad about it is PTSD, for him bro like seriously right right and he's God. like he feels so he's like he points out that he's like an outcast at home and in school and his dream and fantasy isn't to like you know have more toys or i don't know make more friends no he just wants someone to take him away from this abuse and that's, that's like when wants, when i he just wants a normal life and apparently the dursleys are described as perfectly normal the irony oh, it's God. like they don't yeah. offer him the basics you know yeah Mm. Mm. yeah it's yeah. it's so bad um so then the chapter wraps up with that um which i find that out of i don't know like as we read i'm probably going to update this but out of these two chapters i find this one extremely like i had a lot of emotions going into this and reading it because mm. i'm like basically just like noticing every uh, like instance of abuse and i'm not okay with that and i feel like 
JK Rowling really overdid it because I mean, I understand that she wanted to paint a picture that this kid is abused and like, obviously, so that when he becomes a wizard and goes into the wizarding world, we're always empathizing with him. But this was too much like pick a struggle. Like why <laughs> no. you have to put all of it? <laughs> it yeah. Makes um, so mad. And I think it's an interesting way to kind of shape uh, in, 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 to kind of introduce Harry's character. The fact that I thought reading back on this, I found Harry, like, I was like, I, I forgot how sass, uh, how, how not, I, I don't know, would you say sassy? Yeah, I guess how sassy Harry can be in terms of his mm-hmm. replies. Yeah. I can't put, bring up any specific details, but there are points where his replies to Vernon or to Dudley, I was like, oh, damn. Point. Sorry to interrupt you, Teresa. There's one point no, no, where oh, Harry described Dudley as a pig in a wig. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <So> just- <laughs> yes so anyway i was like okay but then like based like the 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 picture jk rowling painted about the abuse i'm like okay i can see why harry you know would be like that and the fact that he still has that ability based on how he's treated is interesting like it's i think maybe goes to show the courageous part of him the the resilient Mm -hmm. right the gryffindor because everyone like you know how he has that whole yeah, he has that whole debate of like, oh, do I belong in Slytherin? And I feel like someone who's in Slytherin is obviously like ambitious and cunning, but they would not be as brave as Harry was because of all this mm. experience that shaped him. If it was me, I would just simply wish like I did not exist. Like I would not be yeah. able to push forward. And I think him taking his experience and still being selfless and caring and brave just it's amazing and like kudos to him um so i wanted to ask you guys again what do you think the theme of this chapter is and i'm gonna let you guys think a little bit before i give my answer (laughs) i think it like screams in your face it's like right there the theme like it's just what we're just talking about like yeah i i think um i hope this is the direction that you're going with unless you're sure you want to step in first no you can go Teresa. (laughs) (laughs) um i guess it it introduces harry and basically child abuse yes yes yes. that's where i was going yeah (laughs) yeah oh um, i would like to know it also one thing that really got me um the fact that harry could dismiss the living with spiders under the cupboard great like Uh that is probably one of the worst things that we've read this chapter like spiders in your cupboard and you're just there and he's like, yeah, like in the description in the chapter is basically he's gotten used to it. He just, you know, shoes them away or dismisses. I was like, oh, my gosh. I guess having lived in that cupboard for so long, kind of like that's the least of the inco- like inconveniences. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That goes to show the extent of the abuse, I guess. It, how horrible the living condition is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I-, I was just going to add to your like to your point because I also have the theme as child abuse and I just wanted to say like this chapter really does show us the abuse that Harry endures like from his living condition his clothes treatment even food and just like rereading this chapter makes me even more angry that Dumbledore allowed for this like I understand that he needed to be brought there but bringing him to the Dursleys may have protected him from Voldemort and the world of fame but like at what cost I just know like 
Dumbledore in Crimes of Grindelwald wouldn't have allowed for that. Like, I know young Dumbledore would have fought for Harry. I And he's, like, one of the strongest wizards ever. Like, couldn't he have put him somewhere else and, like, had protection? Like, I just don't understand. I feel like anywhere would have been better for Harry. Um, so mm. just putting him in that condition, I'm trying to understand, like, okay, like, see it from Dumbledore's perspective. But even then, like come on it's so bad <laughs> yeah like i think there's also the legal aspect of it too right um petunia's sister like it's their nephew or whatever but i agree because i'm sure that they were constantly like monitoring status and whatnot like i'm sure they were and of like child abuse like you guys mentioned and the bullying through like, you would think that they would have some kind of, like, a backup plan or, like, you know, a better, like, living condition place he could have gone to. I don't know. Um, I guess my take on um, the first two chapters is uh, I. it's a very good introduction with, like, very... I like the mix of description, but also um, kind of, like, direct description, but also kind of subtle... subtle description or implied description through, um, you know, dialogue, through, you know, the way the character is des- described as, you know, the, in terms of their looks, um, their actions that's been described in the book. So in a way, I think it's, it's quite, um, I don't know, I think it's quite, it, it, it really leads in well without talking much about and going in depth about explaining the wizarding world, it kind of gives you a good enough glimpse. So then as you read on, you're like, ah, yeah, okay, makes sense, makes sense, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say the character yeah. buildup of these guys, um, it, it was really nice. And like I mentioned previously, it was sort of nice how she started off like mentioning the setting and like the background of um, um, like, you know, um <sighs> But basically, like, his background, and then they kind of got into his character buildup in the second um, chapter. One of my favorite Mm, parts mm. of chapter one was when McGonagall said, I wouldn't be surprised if this day is known as Harry Potter Day, and there will be books Uh. written about him. And I think, like, you know what? It was so beautiful reading that part because the foreshadowing of, like, how big the series has become and... Yeah, it, it was just amazing. I don't know if you guys remember that part in chapter one, but I do. And I always like I also found it really funny because now when you think about it, like every time it's like a book anniversary or a movie anniversary, yeah. it's everywhere. Like a f- like I, I know in September, I believe, or October, it's going to be the 20th anniversary for the first book mm-hmm. and oh. or the first movie. Sorry, the first oh, yeah. movie. And everyone's hyped up about it because I was reading somewhere the other day. I don't think I, if I, I'm not sure I mentioned it to you, Ash, but they're saying that they're going to show the first movie in movie theaters again because it's the 20th anniversary. And it's so funny to me because usually it's like, you know, we celebrate the first, second, the fifth, the 10th. But the fact that until like the 20th, everyone is still hyped up, like the books are still celebrated and the movies are still celebrated. Mm, It really mm, is mm. Harry Potter Day almost every other year. (laughs) It shows you like how far she's come, honestly. And I don't think at the time when she wrote this book, she knew that it was going to be like as massive as it is now. 
no it's funny like reading that sentence back because it's like the foreshadowing of like how important the series is to so many people to till date yeah it's it's amazing so basically i think overall the setup was the setup of the character the 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 wizarding world versus the mug world i thought it was all brilliantly done Mm -hmm. um and I also wanted to make a comment on the language. It's interesting because reading back, it's definitely targeted to younger audience, like yes, younger yes. children. But yes. as you read, as you read on, I think she, with she, um, I wonder if J.K. Rowling had in mind that the audience is growing with the book. Mm-hmm. So as you read on, the language becomes more and more com- like more and more. I don't know, complex, adult. Um, you know. Yeah, yeah, she does. Because I remember watching a documentary and it was about JK Rowling. And like, she took like, she took us to like, her old apartment and how the idea came about and all the inspiration. Mm. And then like, she went to church and showed where she got the inspiration for the names, um, like Lockhart's wow. name. Yeah. And it was such an interesting oh, wow. documentary. But I believe and like, don't quote me on this, but I'm sure she mentioned this towards the end. She mentioned that how she wrote the books because she wanted the audience to grow with them. Which mm, makes mm. so much sense to me. And that really stuck around with me because and every time, every t- yeah, and every time I watch the movies and or read the books, I realize that as we progress, like especially starting the, like the third book, we start seeing different language, um, fourth, fifth. By the time you get to like the fifth book onwards, it's definitely targeted to adults because the, the themes as well as the mm-hmm you know the the language that's used there the vocab it's more tailored towards an adult audience um but it's true as i was reading this i really i i didn't notice it the first time i read the books but now that i'm reading it i notice like the words that are used that's what i meant by descriptors as well like the description it's kind of like it it makes sense that it's a book written for someone who's like nine or eight Mm -hmm. because it's really easy Mm -hmm. read um but i'm i'm so excited to get to the point where we're reading like the more adult the adult books ones, yeah and just like reading between the <laughs> lines and the underlying themes because i think it gets more complex um as we move oh, yeah. Sure. yeah i agree and teresa we have to have you again like as we move to <laughs> the other books because i feel like you gave us it's really nice to have like a third perspective it's not saying that like ash and i don't have fun when we record the podcast but yeah. it's like having a third person who adds their input who um has a different perspective as well it's so nice um because the conversation kind of flows smoothly and like it's interesting yeah no i'm glad to be part Great. of it no i'm glad i'm glad you guys are bringing me into this no thanks yeah, and you're sure. welcome and, anytime. <laughs> yeah, and I remember I was talking to Teresa about this yesterday. She was telling me how she just, because of this episode and everything, she's now going to start reading the series as well, like reading it back the way we are, Yasmina. So definitely, oh, yeah. Teresa, you're welcome anytime. <laughs> and on that point, the funny thing is, when I first read the series, I read it out of order. <laughs> oh, oh, same here. Like when you were younger? Yeah. Same here. Wait. I no, no, same. Like- same. I, I think we mentioned this in our, in our intro episode, right? Because I started oh, off yeah, reading. Right. Right. I started off like reading the Goblet of Fire when I was in the fourth grade, and I'm like, "What the heck is this?" Like, I'm so confused. And I actually read it because <laughs> so funny. I'm like repeating this. My mom's <laughs> my mom's never gonna listen to these episodes, I think. But my mom kept telling me how like there was this smart Indian kid in our community who reads the Harry <laughs> Potter series, and she's like, "You don't read it. You should read it." 
And so I went to the library and it was the only book there. And I started off with the Goblet of Fire and I was so confused. And I thought I would never touch the series again. And then someone actually gifted me the Philosopher's Stone and I was obsessed, honestly. So when I was reading these two chapters, even though the second one was emotional, like you said, Yasmina, like it instantly mm-hmm. transported me to like eight-year-old Aish under the covers reading it with her nightlight on. <laughs> so it was amazing. So it's amazing that we all three have the same like story. Yeah, yeah. for, for me, it's so sorry, cute. you go ahead, Teresa. No, 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 it's all right, it's all right, it's all right. No, it's so good. No, I was just going to say, like, for me, it was so odd because I read the first two books in French. um, And then I it took me years Mm -hmm. and I did not read the books at all. I was just watching the movies. And then, like, obviously, because I read them when I was super young, I have no recollection. And then after I watched all the movies, I read the um, Deathly Hallows. And then Mm. I went back and read all of them. But also for me too, it was kind of like out of order. So I just remember like reading the end and knowing what happens and then starting again. And I was just like, all over the place. Wait, like, you read the yeah. you read the end of the Deathly Hallows? Before? No, I mean like no, I mean like I read the like Deathly Hallows before diving back into the series oh, and reading okay. all of them. Uh, so I knew what me. the end was. I knew what to expect. So that kind of like I wish I read all of them in like chronological order and then you know, but like for me, obviously, because I read the first two when I was so little, and then I just like watched the movies because those are quicker and like. It's so much fun to watch them. I'm more of like, I don't like reading that much. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I read The Deathly Hallows because I was so excited after seeing the movie. Um, And then I read the other one. So it's like, it's so funny Mm. that we all kind of did not really read them chronologically. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's like when I, um, that reminds me, yeah, that does remind me when I read the, when I was listening to your first episode, I was, and then you guys mentioned the fact that you read it. I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm not alone. <laughs> I think a lot of people did that, honestly, because I, guess, I like, didn't know that. Wow. It's a thick book. It's a thick book. And when you're in high school and like middle school, like these books came out when we were born. So we didn't yeah. really get to experience mm, it. I, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like yeah. we, we experienced it late because I'll listen to other podcasts like MuggleCast and they'll be talking about the book shows, like uh, going and like the book signing and then watching the movies like like in the movie theaters and all these things. And I'm like, I didn't really experience a lot of this because A, we lived in Saudi. So like movie yeah. theaters are, <laughs> are not accessible. That's true. Um, right. And mm, then mm, the second mm. thing is that like I, when when the first movie came out, I was literally like you know five so I didn't really watch it when it came out I had to watch it when I was a little bit older so we didn't get to experience that hype that came with it um which is why now I have like a soft spot for the Fantastic Beasts movies even though they're not the best I'm like no I'm watching them in real time and experiencing it with everyone uh, on on that note, the funny thing is, um, when the movie came out, my mom took me. I was only four. Oh, mom, with the Philosopher's mom, Stone? Yeah. Oh, yeah. shit. No way. My mom took me. I don't know why, because she was more into Lord of the Rings rather than Harry oh, Potter. My yes. aunt was into Harry Potter, so I couldn't remember why um, why we went, but I think <laughs> we had just dropped That's my so sister. cute. <laughs> No, I, oh, no, 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 I wasn't four. I was five around six because I know I think my sister was already born. Mm-hmm. We had dropped off my sister to daycare. I and love we went how you to remember nearby, this. Wow. I know. And we went to a nearby mall and I we watched the movie. 
And I remember when we got to the end with Voldemort's face being revealed behind Professor Quirrell's back, I, cl- I grabbed my mom's shawl and I wrapped myself, like I covered myself with it because I found it too scary. It is. It's so scary, that scene. Like even yeah, now it's... when I watch it, I'm, st- I'm like, how did they let little kids watch this? Like it's so like gory and disgusting and like he just burns and I'm just like blisters and I'm like, how do you show this to kids? Dude, honestly, because for me, like now, like I like, I'm not really scared watching like a lot of horror movies and even these series back again. But I remember mm. when I watched Philosopher's Stone, I was very young as well. I don't remember how old I was, but this Voldemort behind Professor Quirrell's head scared me. The I think it was called the Demo Dogs, the Demo, like the three-headed dog. Like oh yeah, oh, the, yeah. they scared me. Remember, and I feel like the Dementors and stuff were fine, but there were a few things in the series that scared me. But the demo demo dogs mm. did, and I remember Quirrell with like Voldemort's face really scared me. Mm. Yeah, and even if even though I watched the movie around like uh, you know when quite young, I didn't get to reading the books until I think like close to ten years old, nine, ten, oh. mm-hmm. or a little bit around that time. And I started with the first book. Mm-hmm. But then went to the third. Oh, so and, you jumped one. Okay. Yeah. First, third, then second, then fifth, then fourth. I don't know. But I, I remember at the end, I read the seventh, then the sixth. So I was like, what the hell are these Horcruxes? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Yeah. It is. It gets confusing, which is why I think this is going to be exciting. And if you're going to read at the same time as we're reading, like, we're going to need your opinion every time you get to something <laughs> exciting in the books, because especially like now reading them with a new perspective and like, cause we want to analyze and summarize these chapters. I feel like it's a different experience. I agree. Um, mm-hmm. Because you're like, actually like this time, usually when I read the Harry Potter books, I just kind of go through them quickly. I don't really try to retain information, but for this one, I had like the book on one side and then I had my notebook on the other and I was just like making you know, like annotating and then making notes. And I was like, okay, is this enough? Is this not enough? Is this too much information? And I still don't know. Like, I still don't know if this episode was like a lot of repetition, but it's like, it's such a, it's a different experience because you want to retain as much information as possible. Yeah. 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 I agree. And yeah. I hope you're reading it as well. We're going to be like catching on to so many things because we've watched the movie so many times and we've also like read it a couple of times. Yeah. So it's going to be yeah. really nice doing like more analysis, analyses, analysis. I don't know how to say it, but like doing more analysis <laughs> I episodes. I, I don't either. Yeah. Today, guys. Yeah. Bear with me. Oh, you know, I just, I just remembered. So I completely forgot that Mrs. Fig was mentioned in the first book. Yeah, because you don't oh, see her yeah. until like the fifth movie, so you it's never so- like. Yeah. And oh. so I was like, oh, and so then reading back, I was like, oh, this is big. Yeah, that's what this is what I mean. <laughs> reading it and like catching on to so many things, because like yeah. when we yeah, first yeah. read the series, we didn't pay attention to like these minor characters and like these minute details, but now it's gonna be like really cool rereading it. Yeah, and every one of those, like, every one of those details or those characters that just get mentioned once and you think, okay, we're not going to hear about them again. Like, like the character that bumped into Vernon at work and he was like, don't worry, and he hugged him. Like, we don't know what his name is, but I know for a fact, I'm pretty sure he's going to pop up again. Yeah. And he's going to be, like, a main character. And we're going to be like, oh, like, that's that guy. (laughs) I agree. Oh, I agree. 
it was no, it's so good. I actually um, uh, read continued reading because I was like, oh, might as well, you know, just keep going. So I think right, uh, so um, and listening to the audiobooks makes it much more in, makes it a bit easier, especially you know mm-hmm. with our busy schedules. It's a new experience doing that, honestly, because yeah. I had the book on one side and then also the audiobook on the other, and. It's kind mm-hmm. of cool because even though we're rereading the series, like I'm getting a new experience, like listening to the audiobook on the side. Mm-hmm. And I think the guy who's, um, like, I think his name is Stephen Fry. Is that yeah, what you yeah, said? Yeah, this yeah. 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 Excellent job, honestly, because I'm going to continue reading the series. Oh, he's this way. so good. His Hagrid yeah. impression is phenomenal. Amazing. Like, yeah, I love his McGonagall impression. impression. Are you kidding? He's so, he's so, so good. And I honestly, like, I discovered. Well, I started listening to these um, last summer and I mm-hmm. used to just like put it on, like put it in my headphones and then go for a walk, go grab coffee. Like that's that's mm-hmm. when I run mm-hmm. errands. That was like what was playing in the background. I don't know why it would like transport me into like a better time. Yeah. And it's so he's the type of person that like he reads one chapter. So like it passes by so quick that you're like, oh, I want to listen to the other and the other and the other. Like it makes it much easier than like when you're sitting and just reading the books. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. yeah. Like uh, it's been so long since I've been able to read for fun. Like most of the time it's reading for uni, reading for research now. And, Same here. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so now I'm just like, you know what? I don't care about <laughs> reading for research at the moment. I'm just going to go continue <laughs> diving into this. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then I told, when I told my mom, I'm reading my, I'm reading the book while listening to the audio. Right. She's like, why, why do that? I'm like, I don't know, man. It's just an immersion. I'm like, I don't know. It's right? a new experience. Are you kidding yeah, me? It's, it's so I, fun. Not. It really, it, it really immerses me into like the world. It's more immersive. So I'm sitting there on the couch, my cat sitting next to me and I'm just using here, listening while reading in the headphones. And I was like, oh, this is, this is ideal. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, it's so much fun. Um, do you guys have anything else to add before we wrap up the episode? Any additional commentary? Um, Teresa, if you have any like plug, like if you have an like Insta account or something that you want to plug in the episode, feel free. I don't know if you do or not. We'll tag you guys. Like we'll tag you in the Instagram post that we're gonna make. Yeah, yeah, we will. Um, No, I don't have any plug except. um, Did you enjoy this episode, Teresa, with us (laughs) rambling on? We're all rambling collectively, but I feel like I always like kind of bud in and like talk so much. Dude, me too, honestly. Like when Ash and I are talking, we always talk over each other. And then when I'm editing, I'm like, someone's going to leave a comment saying these girls don't know how to shut up. (laughs) Honestly. Yeah. No, but like, um, like what you say in your episodes, this is supposed to be more like a conversation, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's what I like, um, because I know Ash asked me, oh, do you have any comments or anything, feedback about the episode? I was like, no, no, nothing. I'm like, oh, I love, she goes, oh, do you have any preferred format? No, I'm like, no, no, I love the conversation, just listening to the conversation. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's um, so nice. So sweet. (laughs) Teresa, do you have a favorite episode of ours? (laughs) No, no, no. Well, oh gosh, because I had a bit of a break between the earlier episodes and the later episodes um, Mm -hmm. because of like the fact that Oh my gosh! I got it. Oh no, I won't. I won't mention that. That's for. That I won't burden this podcast with. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, but um, 
basically, there was a bit of a break because um, the semester was getting really busy. So basic, but I did um, the the most recent one because uh, I oh, I think I only caught a, uh, I only had to catch up with the, your the two last episodes. Yeah, yeah, and so the but the the pop culture one I loved like it was great. And the, when you brought up Brooklyn Nine Nine, because I'm a big fan. Oh, she's a big yes. fan of Brooklyn Nine Nine. When she oh, we should have brought you on. We should have yeah. brought you on that episode. Oh, man. Oh, man. No, it's all good. No, it's all good. I enjoy listening. Pop I was like, yes. Featuring Teresa. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think for us, like the ones that we had so much fun recording were like the food one, the fashion oh one, oh, the pop culture. One, yes. Also the Marvel one. The Marvel one, we Marvel? need to record another one. Yeah. But Ash and oh. I literally love that episode. Teresa like, also <laughs> loves Marvel. Marvel, so we should <gasps> yeah. her. You guys, we need to do like Marvel. one for like yes. Loki, like the uh, the shows like yes. separately. Like Loki, yes. the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and yes. WandaVision. Yes. <laughs> You know. <gasps> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. We have to do that, guys. We yeah. have to do yeah. this. And maybe yeah. like once we get to like half of the book, then we have like yeah. an episode like that's separate. Yeah, I agree. I, sounds Let's good. No, but like I found myself nodding and like oh going, Oh yes, I agree with that comparison with Falk <laughs> and that I'm like, Oh yeah. So, so yeah, I love those. Um yeah, no, those like the conversation is good. And like in the I think the email that you mentioned, um, earlier in the like last episode latest one mm-hmm. uh, um i was yeah. like yeah i find myself kind of talking back i'm like wait 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 wait, what <laughs> so do <laughs> like, i it's just, it's yeah just, it's just me and the cat so <laughs> <laughs> no because i do that a lot too like i listen to a lot of podcasts but um i remember like the ones that i'm more like immersed in is usually like the harry potter podcast so i would listen to muggle cast it's like my favorite one and mm-hmm. i'll just they'll be discussing something and i'm like yeah and i'm like walking down the street and i'm like yeah that's, i totally agree with that but no you made a good point and then i'm like yasmina you are in the street like could you stop <laughs> like i find myself talking too and that's why like ash and i were talking like we talked about a podcast i think like over a year ago like yeah. a long time ago so it's like being able to have this conversation and like record it and have other people listen in like you know while they're cooking or while they're walking and feel like they're chit-chatting with their friends is like the main idea for our podcast and like hopefully Mm -hmm. as we get better it's going to become a little bit more professional but like we're just starting out so we're just taking it as it oh no no sorry no trust me I think um uh, becoming making it more professional I mean yeah but I don't think that's much of a worry because I in the car right I, I have this uh, triple j um radio on and the, the way they talk it's 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 the same kind of like as in the casual podcast or something there's not much yeah. you know it's just yeah it's mm-hmm. candid it's just a conversation so yeah yeah I think no the way it is I I enjoy it hopefully the audio quality gets better like last episode ash and i were saying like guys please support our podcast like we need to start we getting need like, sponsorships <laughs> and money because the mics are so expensive and like we're yeah. poor we're not poor we're both like unemployed we're poor. <laughs> and i mean like yeah we're we're budgeting so it's like going and buying like a 30 dollar yeah. 40 dollar mic is definitely like not in our budget but we're like guys please support our podcast so we can afford better mics just so that our conversations translate better (laughs) like the audio quality like anchor is pretty amazing in the audio quality like it does a lot of the work Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. you but it's like we still want it to be crisp you know Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and to the listeners that we have please once again we need support us (laughs) support us please (laughs) 
Give us mics. <laughs> yeah, no, because I, I agree. I looked up how much mics cost and I was like, oh, damn. Wow. Yeah, they yeah. are. But, you know, it's like kind of like once you see your podcast kind of moving in the right direction, like we're actually getting quite a few listeners and we're actually both surprised. Like, damn, y'all actually listen to us. Like, this is so nice. <laughs> yeah. But it's like once we, we we've always had this goal, like once we reach a certain number of, of listeners, then obviously we can start making bigger investments because at the end of the yeah. day, like Ash and I love to talk and we might have like five podcasts, no problem. <laughs> so it's like it's going to be an investment. Um, but I'm oh, going thanks. to wrap up our conversation uh, before we get to like two hours because our podcast is supposed to be 40 minutes, but it ain't 40 minutes. I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of, uh, we, we can cut out some of this conversation. No, this is really no, this nice. Is great. I, mean, like, I love it. No, I, I want to keep all of it. I think it's going to be so much fun. Yeah. Um, thank you again, Teresa, for joining us. Nice, nice. And thank, thank you for you, our Teresa. listeners. Um, and we hope you guys enjoyed this. And for next week, we're going to be discussing chapters three and four. So if you guys are interested in joining our conversation or just, you know, you can read the chapters in advance um, and we will be discussing those. So, again, thank you for listening and take care. I haven't done the out or in a very long time, so it's very obvious. <laughs> um, but I mean, g- girls, we can carry this conversation on Messenger if you still want to continue talking like I have nothing to do. So. And um, you guys, yeah. yeah. It's like for the listeners who have read chapters one and two, or if you're like rereading it, yeah, yeah. Let us know what you think the themes are as well. Yes. Um, but yeah, take Bye. care. Thank Bye. You. Bye. Bye.